Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Last week we started a two-part series on You Are What You Think. Now the thoughts that you hold in your mind continually will eventually become what you are and who you are, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way. And that's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 verse 23 that we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. God tells us, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When we become a Christian, we become a new creature in our spirit man. We have a new, new spirit, but we have to have our mind renewed. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, a Christian has the mind of Christ. But you know that's not going to do us one bit of good until we start operating out of the mind of Christ, until we start thinking like God thinks. Did you know that it's possible to think like God thinks? You know, so many times we just think, oh, you know, there's no way to understand the thoughts of God. Well, apart from the Word, we probably couldn't. Apart from the Spirit within us, we couldn't. But God has given us His Spirit. He's given us His Word. And this is the way He thinks. And we can think like God thinks. And it's not only possible, but it's an absolute necessity if we want to walk in victory. Now, we literally are the product of our thought life. It's our thoughts that are either binding us and, and keeping us in defeat or it's our thoughts that are understanding the Word of God and releasing us into victory. Now, your thoughts, if you hold on to them long enough, they're going to determine the amount of health that you walk in. Your thoughts will determine the amount of prosperity that you're enjoying. Your thoughts are what have actually formed your character, good or bad. They control your strength. They determine your victory or your defeat. Even the parts of your body, your lungs, your heart, your blood system, your digestive system, how they function, that's simply carrying out the dictates of your mind. See, because what we think on is showing up in our physical body every day, and it's also showing up in our circumstances. Because, see, our circumstances are merely the manifestation of what has been in control of our thinking for years past. Whatever's been there and, and stayed there. Okay, now we said last week that all of this is a part of the law of sowing and reaping. What you plant is what you're going to harvest. Now what's been planted in your mind will finally come to harvest unless a new crop is planted and nurtured to crowd out the old. And that's exactly what God's talking about when he tells us to renew our mind. He's telling us to plant a new crop and crowd out those old things that have been there. Now, some people call the law of sowing and reaping by another name. They call it the, the law of attractions. Like attracts like. Now, it's still the same law, no matter what we decide to call it, because the mind is just exactly like a magnet. Whatever it is that you hold in your mind for any length of time will eventually manifest in some form or another if you hold it in your mind long enough, because it attracts that thing to you. It draws it to you. Now, a good example is rejection. If a person has adopted an attitude of expecting to be rejected, I can promise you it's going to act just exactly like a magnet, and it will draw that rejection to that person because it's the law of sowing and reaping that's working in reverse. 
and to alter any negative assignment now, the thinking has to be changed. Now, I've worked with women who have continually married men who mistreated them. And maybe they've been married several times, and it's just amazing how every time they remarry, they pick someone else who mistreats them. And you'd think even in the natural that they'd learn from their mistakes. But if you talk to them, they think it's just a coincidence, but it's not coincidental. See, how we think draws that to us. And the pattern of their choice of men is a direct giveaway of the thoughts that those women have about themselves, how they see themselves, their self-worth. Now, if anything in our lives is continuously not right, then we need to look at our thought life. That's the place where we need to start. Now, a change of behavior always denotes a change of thinking. And that's why parents should investigate when their teenager suddenly has maybe a change in, in his attitude or a change in his behavior or a change in his dress. I had a friend call me last week from out of town. And she said that she had just come back from visiting with a, a friend that she had had for years and years, but she hadn't seen her in a long time. And she went out of town to see this friend, and the teenage daughter answered the door. And she said the teenager was dressed all in black, in real strange clothing. She had dyed her hair black, and she had a lot of different body piercings all, all over her body. And she said it didn't take but just one glance to know that something was desperately wrong. But when she mentioned it to the mother, the mother just said, well, it never crossed my mind that this change in behavior and change in clothing meant anything. She said, I thought it was just a phase she was going through. But after some investigation, they started talking to the girl, and the girl admitted to being in Satan worship, and she admitted to taking drugs. Now, that, that's a true story. See, that an outward change always denotes a change of thinking, and it can go either direction. You know, a good outward change denotes a good change of thinking, and vice versa. Now, remember, any time we want a change to take place, that change has to start in our thought life first. That's where we have to start. Another spiritual law that Jesus gave was, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Well, that's just another way of saying the law of sowing and reaping, or the law of attractions. See, it's critical thoughts when they obsess our thinking, or maybe our thinking is obsessed with judgmental thoughts, that's just exactly like a magnet, and it's going to attract criticism and judgment back to us. And how we think is how we're going to see other people. You know, I was amazed the first time I read Psalm 18, verse 25. You can look it up later. But it said, the kind are going to see others as kind. And the pure will see people as pure. The blameless will see people as blameless. But those that are crooked in their thinking will see other people as twisted. And I thought, you know, that, that is so true. We see through the eyes of what's in our heart, what's in our mind. Now, when Jesus said, judge not, he was saying, don't fight that spiritual law. Get it to work for you and not against you. Now, as we begin to hold thoughts in our mind of love for God, love for our fellow man, as we begin to hold these thoughts in our mind of, of love for self, and as we start filling our mind with thoughts of forgiveness and, and thoughts of just praise and thanksgiving to God for all the good things that he's done for us, we're going to find out that it, we're literally going to create a healthy condition in our physical body. What we hold in our mind is going to show up in our body. Now, the secular world tells us that the primary cause for every disease is spiritual and mental disharmony. 
Now that's not the church saying that, that's the secular world saying that, that it's spiritual and mental disharmony. So if disharmony now causes disease, then the opposite is true. Harmony with God, when we get into harmony with, with the Word of God, when we get into harmony with the way that God thinks, it's going to cause health to begin coming into our body. You can get a, a certain amount of relief from medicine, but the only permanent relief is going to come from getting into harmony with God's laws in our mind, where we think on that, where we meditate on that. Now, you may be saying, well, what about our actions? You know, what about our words? Surely that's more important than what we think. Well, we need to realize that every action and every word was preceded by thought. You don't have an action or, or an attitude or words coming out of your mouth that wasn't preceded by a thought. Now, it may be a subtle thought, may be almost a subconscious thought, but every action and every word that comes out of your mouth was preceded by a thought. And that's why if, if we fill our mind with the right kind of thoughts, then we're going to find that right actions and right words are going to follow. Now, I want you to turn to Proverbs 23, verse 7. Now, if you don't mark any of the rest of the scriptures to, today, I want you to mark this one in your Bible because it's so important. Proverbs 23, verse 7. This tells us, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. If you've got a King James, it'll say, As a man thinketh, so is he. Okay, now that doesn't mean that he's this kind of person, therefore he thinks in a certain way. You know, so many times we think, well this person is this particular kind of person, so they think this way. No, this is telling us that what a person thinks is why he's that kind of person. See, as a man thinks, so is he. Okay, now mark that. That's very important. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. I want us to see a good portion of Philippians chapter 4 is telling us how to think. And then it goes on to let us know that that's what's going to bring success. How we think. Philippians chapter 4. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And he's telling them in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Okay, he's saying, have thoughts of rejoicing going through your mind. Then in verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing. In other words, he's saying, now, don't let fearful thoughts, don't let thoughts of anxiety crowd in your mind. Verse 7, he said, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, let that guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, let the peace of God rule and reign in your mind. He said, dwell on thoughts of peace. Have peaceful thoughts going through your mind. And see, we can choose what goes through our mind. And verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what does it say? Let your mind dwell on these things. God tells us exactly how to make our mind work, what to think of. Now, to dwell means to abide, to stay there. Now, you're going to have thoughts run through your mind. But it's our choice what we're going to choose to dwell on, what we're going to allow to stay in our mind, what, what we meditate on. And he's telling us how to train our thinking. He's saying think on joyful thoughts, put away all the fears, put out the anxious thoughts. He's saying think on peaceful thoughts. 
He said, if, if there's truth, dwell on that truth. Dwell on things that are pure. Dwell on things that are lovely. Dwell on all the things that are worthy of praise. Because as a man thinks, so is he. Now, I think that's why Jesus dealt primarily with thoughts and attitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. When you read through the Sermon on the Mount, that's what he's talking about. What a person thinks on. What their attitude. He said, if a man lusts after a woman in his mind, he's already an adulterer. He says if he hates in his heart and if he holds hateful thoughts in his mind, he's already a murderer because what he thinks on is who he is. Now everything, good or bad, is worked out in the unseen realm before it becomes visible in the seen realm. We need to realize that. Whether we realize it or not, things that we see have been worked out in the unseen realm first. Now let me give you an example. I remember hearing Mike Williams' testimony. He said that God had delivered him out of homosexuality. But he said long before he had gone into homosexuality, he was molested as a very young boy. And he said after he was molested, he started being plagued with these thoughts of guilt. He said he just couldn't get away from the guilt. And he said then, even though it was not his fault, he said as he kept meditating on those thoughts of guilt, he said finally he began to have continuous thoughts that he was different from everyone else. Now, no one knew about these thoughts that were going on in his mind. They had no idea. But he said that those thoughts were there and they were doing a work in the spiritual realm long before he ever started practicing homosexuality. See, what happened in the physical only came as a result of what had been going on in his mind for a long time, since childhood. Now, he finally got his deliverance and he got set free, but from his testimony, he made it very clear that he had no victory over homosexuality. He had no victory over the guilt until he finally changed his thinking. See, he had to believe God's word that he was normal. He had to believe that before he could become normal. He had to believe that he could be delivered before it could ever happen. His, his thinking had to change first. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Now when a person learns that they have the power to, to change things about themselves and things in their circumstances, then you know all of a sudden we can get set free just, just realizing, Lord, we do have a tremendous power in our spirit man that can be released as our mind comes in line with the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about mind control where you try to control somebody else's thinking. What we're talking about today is changing self. When we start trying to change somebody else, we're talking about witchcraft. But I'm talking about changing self by changing the thoughts that come into our mind that don't line up with the Word of God. God's wanting us to line everything up with the Word. And when we learn this, then it's going to stop this business of our blaming God when things don't go right. Now, we are going to be affected to some degree by the people around us because, you know, we're human. And other people are not always going to do exactly what we want them to do. You know, they're not always going to do things exactly right. But it doesn't have to steal our peace. It doesn't have to steal our joy if our thinking is straight. Whatever your predominant thinking is, it's going to eventually be expressed in your health. It's going to be eventually expressed in your well-being. It's going to even be expressed in your surroundings. 
Now, we have so much more control over our destiny and over our lives than most people ever realize because, see, God has given us the free will to, to work with his spiritual laws or to work against them. Now, even your present character is made up of what you think. See, our character is an accumulation of all the thoughts and all the ideas that we've kept in our mind from the time that we were young. That's what's made up our character. Now, even though different people have influenced our lives, God gives us the opportunity to know the truth. At any point, no matter how old we are, we can find out what the truth is. So ultimately then, it's our decision how and what we're going to think now. And you say, well, what about this disease that runs in my family? My thinking has nothing to do with that. Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus bore even our inherited infirmities. So what are we going to believe? What are we going to think on? You know, we're going to either be thinking, well, this is my lot in life. This has been handed down through my family line. Or we're going to start thinking about Galatians 3.13, that Christ redeemed me from the curse, having become a curse for me. Our situation is going to be determined by what we decide to think of. Our thoughts have formed our present state of mind. Our thoughts have even formed our overall present financial situation. See, your, your financial condition is not nearly as affected by your circumstances as it is by the thoughts in your mind. When you find someone who has lived in poverty, if you'll look in their thinking, you'll find that there's a poverty mentality that needs to be broken, that needs to line up with the Word of God. And it's never too late. See, things can change if we change our thinking. Now, you may not have control over things that have happened to you in the past. You don't have any control maybe over things that happened to you when you were a child. But we are responsible for the things that happen to us now. We're not slaves to our circumstances, even though we may think we are. You know, we may think we don't have a choice. But change your thinking, and it's going to shock you how fast your circumstances will begin to change. Now, practically all of our wrong thinking comes from fear. Did you know that every fear that you possess is evil? You know, when I started realizing how many fearful thoughts I had, I didn't think much about it until I realized in the Word of God that whatever's not of faith is sin. And I realized that, that fear is not of faith. And when I realized that those fearful thoughts were sin in God's eyes, it made me want to do something about it. See, there's nothing godly about fear because it comes from the nature of the enemy. And every fear thought that we leave in our mind, every fear thought that we think on, will eventually bring about some kind of bad harvest. You know, we would never have to fear anything in the world if we could ever just get it in our mind that the provider lives on the inside of us. We, we wouldn't have anything to fear if we could realize that the healer lives on the inside of us. You know, what would we have to fear if we realized that the protector lives on the inside of us, the deliverer lives on the inside of us, the El Shaddai lives on the inside of us. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ living in me. And when we realize that, if we could ever get our thought process to adopt that truth, literally there would be no fear because, you know, what would we have to fear? We wouldn't have to fear not having provision. We wouldn't have to fear sickness and premature death and all these things because we have the God of the universe living on the inside of us. And that truth would literally drive fear out. 
Now, some people don't see any hope for things to get better because they were born in, into those adverse circumstances. Now, your bad circumstances may have started generations ago. You know, it may have been something that, that passed down through the bloodline, but it really doesn't matter how long ago it started. It still started with an idea or with a thought in somebody's mind, even though it was generations ago. For some reason, somebody started thinking that way, and that mental attitude was passed down until it became a mindset, generation after generation, until a spiritual curse took over. But see, it doesn't matter how long ago it started or how ingrained it might be in your thinking, it can change the same way it started, by putting a new idea in your mind. When we began to think like God thinks, and the only way that can happen is when we get into the Word of God and we find out how God thinks and we begin putting that in our mind, putting that in our mind until that crowds out all the old thinking. Now, since any bad situation starts with wrong thinking, then to reverse that situation, now we're going to have to put in right thinking. Now, if you think on failure or you think on fear of failure, it's going to draw that failure to you. But if our thinking is changed, to I can be successful in anything that God's called me to do because the God of the universe is living on the inside of me. If, if we're willing to make that kind of adjustment in our thinking, then God's going to tell us things to do. He's going to give us step-by-step -step instructions how to get out of it. And he's going to show us some adjustments. But, you know, even making the adjustments comes from a change in thinking. You know, when God tells us something to do, our thinking has to be changed to, to obedience, to be willing to do it. Now, don't think on what you have that you don't like, or don't think on what you don't have that you wish that you had. Concentrate on what the Word says that you can do about it. Concentrate on, on what the Word says will change all of that. God's not holding good things back from us. He never has. Our success or our failure lies in whether or not we decide to operate in his laws, in his spiritual laws, or against them. It's our choice. So keep reminding yourself that the laws of God, the spiritual laws, were set up to govern everything in the physical as well as the spiritual realm. And it's the law of sowing and reaping. All we have to do is get that one law in our mind. And as simply as I can put it, if you want to raise carrots, then plant carrots. That's as simply as I can put it. That's the law of the harvest. You know, we don't question that law in the natural. We'd be shocked if we went out and planted carrots in our garden and potatoes grew. But so often, we kick and we complain and we question and we go into depression because we don't like what we have, when in, in reality... In the unseen realm, in, in the spiritual realm, we've been planting maybe sad thoughts or maybe we've been planting hurtful thoughts or self-pity thoughts or angry thoughts or fear thoughts. Sometimes we've even been planting lazy thoughts. And then we've been planting thoughts of justification because, see, we have a way of justifying all those things and convincing ourselves that we're right. But justification starts with a thought. But then, when we've not come up with a harvest of health and prosperity, you know, we think that God's let us down, and, and we moan our, our misfortune, and we think, well, the Word just didn't work. When, in reality, it didn't have anything to do with God. It had to do with our thinking. See, there's a law in effect, and if we don't like what we're harvesting, then we need to notice the thoughts that have been growing in our mind, maybe for years. 
Now, I'm going to say this again, but our situation to a great extent is an outward expression of the results of our predominant way of thinking. Now, you may have some consequences from past thinking that needs to be removed. And the same principle can do that. If you've repented and you've pled the blood over the things that you've thought in the past that weren't right, then begin to sow thoughts of the power of the blood and what the blood can do. See, dwell on the fact that once a person repents, then the blood of Jesus not only can, but will remove the sin, the guilt, and the consequences. So even the answer comes through the law of sowing and reaping as you begin to sow those thoughts of, of what God's blood will do. Now, we're going to have to change the thoughts in our mind that allowed that door to be opened to that assignment in the first place. And you say, well, what about accidents? You know, surely you're not trying to tell me that your thoughts can cause an accident. Well, turn it around to the positive. Begin to flood your thinking with faith toward God for protection. Flood your mind with that. Begin to flood your mind with God's Word until that becomes your predominant thinking, until all those fear thoughts and all those doubt thoughts leave your mind. I could remember that I was constantly fearful that something was going to happen to a member of my family. And then the Lord began to show me that that was a, a spiritual law, and I was drawing that to myself. We were always having accidents happen. I was fearful of that. But then the Lord began to show me scriptures like Psalm 112, verse 7. You know, I'm not going to fear evil tidings because my heart is steadfast trusting in you. And I've probably said that a thousand times. But we have to say it and, and put it in, in our mind and meditate on it until it really becomes a reality on the inside of us that we're not going to fear evil tidings because our heart, heart is steadfast, trusting in God, trusting in His Word. And that's all that faith is anyway, just a mind that is so programmed to the Word of God that we think the Word. We want to constantly be thinking the Word. I've heard a lot of people say that to master a language, they have to learn to think in that language. People who have studied linguistics, well, they have to learn not just to speak the language or to read the language, but they have to learn to think in that language. We had a friend, and she was studying Spanish, and every summer she would go and spend the summer with a family in Mexico who didn't speak English. And she said that it was so exciting to her the first time she started thinking in Spanish. She said even one night she dreamed a dream and she was dreaming in Spanish and she got so excited. Well, I thought about that and I thought, you know, it's exactly the same way with the Word. We can know that we have our flesh conquered when no matter what comes up, we begin to think the language of the Word rather than the language of the world. When that's the first thing that comes through our mind, we can know our mind is being renewed. We're beginning to get there. Now, since every bad situation started with wrong thinking to some degree, then the way that it can be turned around is with right thinking. Now, that sounds so simple, but in reality, it is simple. But we need to remember now that our thoughts are like a magnet, and they are going to attract more of whatever it is that we're meditating on. Now, as we close, I want to end with just a few confirmations from the life of Jesus. I want you to look at Mark 4, verse 37. Now, in this particular illustration, Jesus was dealing with the people to try to get them to line their thinking up with the way that God thinks. 
so that the power in their spirit man could be released to change their, their circumstances. And he was trying to show them how to change their circumstances. And their thinking was wrong. So in Mark 4, verse 37, there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion and the disciples awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And then look what he said to them. He said to his disciples, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? Okay, if you'll notice, he was addressing their mental attitude, their mental state of mind. He was saying, Why are you so timid? He was addressing the timidity in their mind, the insecurity. He wanted them to get their thinking to line up with the way he was thinking. He knew immediately to stand up and rebuke the storm. And he wanted them to realize that they could have done exactly the same thing that he did. He wanted them to get rid of all that timidity and all that fear and that insecurity because it was wrong thinking. And I thought years ago, the first time that I heard that we could use the Word of God and in Jesus' name rebuke a storm, and I can remember thinking, uh-uh, <laughs> something's wrong, you know. And I had to change my thinking because I had wrong thinking in there. And I, I could never have used my authority against a storm as long as that wrong thinking was there. But I've noticed that more and more and more people are having their thinking changed, where when they hear of a storm, instead of wanting to run to a storm cellar, the first thought in their mind is to stand up and use the Word of God and rebuke the storm. That's because the thinking is beginning to change. We're beginning to line our thinking up with the Word of God. You remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd get well. Her thinking was right. She had right thinking. She was convinced in her mind that if she touched the hem of his garment, that the power of God was going to flow through her and she changed her situation by her faith. But her faith didn't come first. Now that's what I'm wanting you to see. Now it was right thinking that opened the door to that faith. See, so many times, now we are operating in faith, rebuking the storm, praying for the sick, but that faith started first with right thinking. Actually, when you think about it, right thinking is faith. Okay, look at Luke chapter seven. Now, this is the story of the centurion, and he knew that Jesus had the authority to heal without even having to go to his house. He knew that. His thinking was right. And so in Luke 7, starting with verse 6, Jesus had started on his way with the disciples, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but I, I just want you to say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, to another, come, and he comes, and my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, and he turned and he said to the multitude that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Okay, now so much of God's word deals with proper submission to authority. 
That has so much to do with faith because God has a line of authority. And this centurion's thinking was right concerning submission to authority. And because he had his thinking right in this area, Jesus then said to him, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. His thinking was right because it was in line with God's word. And that right thinking changed his circumstances. Peter and John, when they were at the gate, beautiful. They had become convinced of the authority that they had in the name of Jesus. They said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Their thinking was right. Now, realize Peter and John were two of the ones that had been in the ship when they were all feel fearful over the storm. So they've come from that timidity that they had back there in the boat during the storm to thinking about the power that they possessed in Jesus' name. See, they had started changing their thinking. They had heard the word. They had listened to the teaching until we see that their thinking was changed. I want you to hear this because this is important. This particular miracle healing there at the gate, beautiful. It took place not just because there was power in the name of Jesus. See, there's power in the name of Jesus whether Peter had believed it or not. So that miracle didn't take place just because there was power in the name of Jesus. That particular miracle of healing took place because Peter's thinking was directly in line with God's word. His thinking was right, and that's why he acted on that authority. If he hadn't acted on the authority, that man wouldn't have gotten healed even though there was power. And our situation doesn't change just because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's always going to be power in the name of Jesus, whether we choose to walk in it or whether we don't. But our situation is going to change when our thinking lines up with it and when we begin to believe that and we operate in that power. Okay, one last scripture. Look at Mark 9, verse 20. I've always thought this was an interesting statement that Jesus made. They were bringing to him this boy that had a spirit. And so in verse 20 it says, They brought the boy to him, and when the boy saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, falling to the ground. He began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, please have pity on us and help us. Jesus, if you can do anything to help us, please do. And look what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus said, if you can, if you can line your thinking up with the truth, then he was saying, then it's going to happen. Now, God has given us power and authority and dominion on this earth. But our mind is going to be the key factor. When our mind is conformed to worldly thinking, you know, when we think, you know, what on earth do I think I'm doing, you know? Who do I think I am to lay hands on the sick and see them to recover, you know? Who do I think I am to cast out demons or, or raise the dead or forgive sins, you know? <laughs> what kind of blasphemous thinking is that? You know, if that's our thinking, that's exactly where we're going to stay. And as, as long as we have that kind of wrong thinking, we might as well forget it until our thinking changes to think like God thinks. So don't be conformed, the Bible says, to worldly thinking. Don't be conformed to the way the world is thinking. But be transformed by having your mind renewed to the truth in God's Word. 
We have to be convinced in our mind that God has given us that kind of authority in his name. It's not our power, it's his power, but he's given us his power of attorney. He's given us the authority. So we need to start praying that God will reveal to us what could take place in our circumstances if we just start believing the word of God and operating in that power. You know, go home and pray and say, Lord, show me, just give me a vision of what could take place in my life, in the lives of my family, in my sphere of influence, if I ever could line my thinking up with your word. See, truly as a man thinketh, so is he. And you are what you think. Father, thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that your word is true whether we ever believe it or not. Your word is true whether we ever operate in it or not. I thank you, Father, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your, your word will never pass away. So, Father, we know that your word is true. But, Lord, I'm asking today that we're going to move in our thinking over to the place of not just knowing that your word is true, but knowing that you've given us the authority in this earth to operate in your word, to take your word to our generation. Father, you've given us the responsibility of, of declaring the kingdom of God and establishing the kingdom on this earth. What an awesome privilege. Father, help us to let our thinking line up with your word to the point that we realize this is the task that you've given us to do and that we have been given everything that we need to be able to accomplish that task. We've been given all the authority that we need. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.